there is no right way to do drag. Like you can do drag however you want. Anybody who is telling you how to do drag, do not listen to them. Sorry. I think drag in itself is protest. Cause like, again, you're fighting the, what are gender norms um, by putting on the heels and the dress and the hair. And like, that's just a protest in itself. It's 2023, why do we still have gender norms? Who needs them? They're boring. And it's been evident since I was a kid. Like, again, my parents were not surprised that I found and enjoyed drag because I was that kid in kindergarten putting on the skirt from the dress-up box and having the teacher yell at me because I put on the skirt from the dress-up box. Really? Yeah. Kids can be mean. And you just kind of have to have a thick skin because, like, it's mission. Like, people are going to have your opinions of you. Do I care? No. I'm sorry that I am more exciting than you are. Welcome back to the Let Me Be Perfectly Queer podcast. I'm your host, Beth, and this podcast is brought to you by the UFE Pride Collective. Uh, we are filming here at Civil Radio, CIVL 101.7, uh, also CIVL.ca, and we are recording on Stala Territory. In this episode, I interviewed the legend, the icon, the star, Colin. He is a local drag artist that I met uh, when he performed for the UFE Pride Collective's Queer Prom event. We discussed drag and all of the work that goes into being a performer. Colin also shared some of his experience growing up in Mission and his dreams of becoming a TV star. I hope you enjoy. All right. Welcome, Colin, Hello. to the podcast. God, I'm so excited to be here. So excited to have you. You, okay, so we, we don't really know each other that well. No. We've hung out like, well. A couple times. A couple times. Um, but it's mostly in like meeting settings. Yeah, yeah, it was mostly meetings for for queer prom. Yeah. And I just want to say, your performance at the prom, <laughs> for for context, um, the Pride Collective organized this queer prom event, and we wanted to bring in some local drag performers. And you know, one of our executive yeah. members, Ray. Shout out to Ray. Shout out, love you. Thank <laughs> you. Can't wait to see you. And so you were one of our performers, and you tore up that dance floor like oh my god thank you thank you it yeah. was amazing it's a little it was a little stressful because i really only had a week to kind of prepare those numbers and i like to take like a month like i i'm a pre-planner like i'm very particular about how i want my numbers to turn out and like being only given a week it was a little bit of a struggle especially since we had to like last minute cut one of my numbers so but it was it turned out well i did follow my ass a little bit <laughs> That wasn't on purpose? <laughs> well, okay, that trick was supposed to go a little differently than it was supposed to. And I did that move, and that's a move that originated from, like, the ballroom scene. And I was thinking in my head as I did it, I went, oh, God, my friend in the ballroom scene is going to kill me for that move. And I sent it to him later, and he's like, yeah, don't do that again. I was like, great. <laughs> well, it was amazing to me. And, like, those heels, how tall, how high were those heels? Um, oh, I don't even really know. I think they're, like, four or five inches those are the first time i'd actually had like worn them to perform really I, yeah i got them at christmas they were actually my aunt's old shoes and she gave them to me at christmas first she was like here a blessing and i was like oh, thank you 
That's why she she had, like brought them down specifically to give them to me. So I was like, oh, thank you. And I performed them, but they hurt. Like wearing women, because they're women's shoes, so they're designed for women's feet. And the toe box is a little smaller. So literally I walked off on stage, walked off off stage and I took them off immediately. I was like, my feet are killing me. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I cannot even like, I could not even try. Like my ankles would break instantly if I tried to even just walk in those heels. Well, it's like Jester was doing uh, for, there was another drag artist there named Jester, if you weren't there, should have. Um, Jester was doing like a whole bunch of tricks. And I'm like, how are you not breaking your ankles? Because they were wearing heels higher than mine. And I'm like, how are you not breaking your ankle trying to do a cartwheel in like six inch heels? Yeah, that's true. They, they did do the cartwheels. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I am terrified. Back to the drag. Uh, you did an amazing performance. What was the two, the two songs that you... It was When You're Good to Mama from Chicago, which I've been obsessed with recently. I've never actually seen it before like three months ago. So I finally watched it. I was like, wow, I get why people are obsessed with this movie because it's everything. So I did When You're Good to Mama, which is Queen Latifah's song. And then I did Mother by Megan Trainer, And that one was a fun one because I had that little intro um, that was like, I wrote the song for Calling All the Monsters because she, she's mother. I thought, I, that was camp. Like, you just have to have it a was, little bit of camp. It was. It was. I loved it. Like, yeah. I was losing my mind, honestly. I was like, this is so good. So what, how did you get into drag in the first place? How well, many years have you been doing it? Um, officially, it'll be, I think, two years in November. Because my first time in drag was for Techno Loaded, which is a local show here in Abbotsford hosted by the legend Anita Tighthole. That was and, your first time? Yeah. Wow. I had done, like, I had done, like, talent shows with, like, drag-esque performances, but I've never, like, done the entire makeup and everything. So that was, like, my first, first time. And that was, like, two years. Because it was, like, two years in the making. Because we were originally supposed to do it, like, March of 2020, back when the stage admission was open. But that, unfortunately, closed down, like, February 2020. And then COVID happened. So, yeah, it's been, it was a long time in the making to finally make that performance happen. And that was in 2020? 20, November 2021, I believe. Oh, 2021. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you've been like professionally doing drag for only about two years? Yeah. Okay. So what actually like got you interested in it in the first place? Well, I, I think I first knew of drag like back when I was in middle school on Tumblr. I found gifs of Violet Chotchke in her season seven episode one reveal look and i googled like i googled what this was and i just kind of fell down the rabbit hole and then it was actually anita back in i want to say 2018 um she was doing a youth dance that i had attended and they did like a lip sync battle and i was doing toxic by britney spears because of course of course i literally chose it because the first line is um baby can't you see i'm calling I literally, that was the literally the only reason why I chose that number. <laughs> that's so, that's so I was so like, brilliant. we're going to do that. And then Anita found me, he's like, when you're legal, we're going to put you in drag. And then two years later, oh no, that would have been four years later. It actually finally happened. And then I've been doing it ever since. That's awesome. So this, this youth dance, uh, can you give some context to like the youth dance and your friend Anita? So the youth dance, it's hosted by the Fraser Valley Youth Society. And they do it usually once or twice a year. And basically, it's kind of like a kid-friendly drag show. 
and they do like tone down numbers like and it's just like a good time for all the kids of any identity to come out enjoy some drag enjoy people who are like them and usually it's done by anita and the fraser valley youth society and usually they do she has like her group of friends so like her um joe king and justice du jour um while justice was still living out here um, she still comes back every so often to do Anita shows, but she's now in Alberta performing. So shout out to her. Shout out to Justice. Um, but yeah, they've done it, I think, five or six years in a row now. The youth dance. Yeah. yeah. That's that's really cool that um, it has, like, it's kind of providing that opportunity for kids. And I know there's a lot of conversation right now around drag and kids being involved in drag. Yeah. And a lot of people are really... A lot of people on the right are very up in arms about it. Um, what? Why do you think there's such a misconception about what drag is? Well, I think the idea of drag is controversial in general because usually you have um, people dressing up in very effeminate costumes. Typically, they're males, but they're not always male identifying. But typically, you have people in effeminate costumes and wigs dancing around to like slut pop by king Pedras, like it's a controversial drag is controversial in and of itself and that's what it's supposed to be like it's supposed to be controversial like you're a person in feathers and sequins doing the sweats to king Pedras. obviously people are gonna be mad i just think people are boring that's why like people are just boring <laughs> like wouldn't you want to go see someone in feathers like it's like a las vegas showgirl like what's the difference between a drag queen and a las vegas showgirl the, and they're like, oh, they're stripping in front of the kids. I've never seen, like, I have never seen a drag queen strip in front of a kid. Like, I've n- never seen it happen. Like, I don't know what drag shows you're going to with your kids, but, like, I've never been to a show where someone's stripping in front of a child. Yeah, no, they, that's and just... And again, Las Vegas showgirls <laughs> are literally in bras that look like they're supposed to be topless. Yeah, there's definitely a double standard there. Yeah. I actually went, so I went to um, my first, I mean, I guess if you count the prom as a drag show, that was my first drag show, but I went to Tucked and Loaded, the last one that happened, and I actually saw you yeah. there, um, and that's when I asked him to come on this podcast, so. Marketing. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was like, that was really cool, and seeing the level of effort and time and money that these performers put into their their like outfits yeah. and um, and just like their performance ability, it's it's truly an art form. Yeah, drag is expensive. Like if you account everything, like I, since I'm more of a beginner, I still kind of buy my clothes. I get like hand me downs and I just kind of make it work where I need to. But like Anita, for example, some of those costumes are like hundreds of dollars. Some of those wigs are thousands of dollars. Like drag is expensive and there's a lot of time from a whole bunch of people. Like, drag is not just the person in the wig doing it. It's also, like, the costume designers, the wig designers, the people, like, putting the mixes together. Like, there's so much that goes into it that I feel like people don't really see. They see, like, the person in the wig, and they're mad at them. But there's so much more that you also need to take into account. Like, there are countless of jobs that are created because a drag queen needs a hair, needs a costume, needs a mix... There's yeah. a lot to go into it. Yeah, exactly. And it, there's no no lack of skill needed for, like, the kind of dance moves that you do. Yeah. And in those heels, not like, 
never mind. Um, it's it's amazing, and it's I'm glad that I've you know gotten to experience that, and I wish that more people had an open mind to it. Yeah, especially like Tucked and Loaded. I think Tucked and Loaded is like a perfect drag show because like Anita puts a lot of time into it. And she's very dedicated about making that show as good as it can be, especially since she's in the Fraser Valley, very conservative. Lots of people give her flack for it, but she constantly brings out these Vancouver people. The Vancouver girls go back to Vancouver and like talk about the show and how good it is and how like great it tips and how great the energy is. And I think that's really what's needed in Atmosphere because I feel like everything in Atmosphere is just so boring. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. That that is a good way to put it. So, do you see yourself um, doing drag more, like more professionally, like long term? I think so. Yes, I think right now we're kind of in the beginner. I'm still like a beginner, still trying to build an Instagram following. Um, but like, if I was in closer proximity to like a bigger city like Vancouver, I would love to perform more. Like, I don't know. I think I like where I'm at right now, but I wish I wish for further in the future. Okay, let's talk the technical side a little bit because I know you were interested in sharing that, uh, and I know we like briefly touched on it already with the um, the Megan Trainer clip. But um, tell me more about your process of like wh- how do you choose your costume and like the how do you come up with the choreography and how do you know what song you want to do and and all that for example like if i'm doing a tucked and loaded i usually like to choose something very energetic that'll get the crowd going because usually i tend to go in my couple of experiences i tend to go usually towards the beginning and that's when you really have to have like the audience start to get like pumped up so they can last the entire show so usually i try to choose like a beat pop something that the audience will know um like for example i did the youth dance last year actually and I did a mix of Mariah Carey emotions and not a single child in, like, it was probably, like, teenagers. Not a single kid knew Mariah Carey emotions. Oh, my god! I was, like, no one singing along. I'm, like, do y'all kids not know Mariah Carey's emotions? What is wrong with this generation? <laughs> you got to make sure you choose, like, the right song for yeah. the event. Yeah, you got to know your audience. Yeah. That's why I usually, like, pop songs, like, I've done... Um, Ab- I, my first mix was a ABBA um, Lady Gaga mix um, that one was really fun that one was really good my second one, what was my second one? Oh, it was like a Drag Race inspired talent show mix with Sugar Mata's audition from Glee I don't know if you've ever watched Glee but I have she, watched Glee she does um, Hey Big Spender and she sings it awfully and it's so funny so I incorporated that into like a talent show mix and I ended up landing in the bottom, and my lip sync song was California Girls. And during that number, I did a high kick, and my shoe flew off on tape <laughs> and hit me in the face. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. So I was like, oh, we're no. going to kick off the other shoe, and we're going to do a split. Because, like, if your shoes fall off, you got to m- make something work. Yeah. Because, like, that's kind of... It, the show must go on. Yeah. And, like, again, I'm very technical with how I choreograph everything. So if something goes awry, I'm in my brain like, oh, no, oh, no. Figure something out. Figure something out. Luckily, the end of the number worked out. I found my other shoe that flew off into the audience somewhere. And it went really well. But, yeah. We're going to make sure this year, if I do any performances, I'm going to make sure I have shoes with ankle support. Mm -hmm. So my shoe doesn't fly off. Because I love a good high kick. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to get the high kicks. Yeah. (laughs) 
But like with choreographing, usually it's just kind of me in my basement. I film, I usually film myself so I can watch it back and figure everything out. But like, it's usually me in my basement with music playing on my computer, trying to figure out what would work. And it's like, usually takes me about two, three weeks. And luckily with the recording, I can watch it back and see which parts work, which parts don't work. And we figure it out from there. And then with the audio, usually it's just kind of whatever um, fucked up amalgamation I can come up with in my head. Like, who's going to think about doing an album mix where halfway through you've passed out and you end up doing replay by Lady Gaga? Like, that's just fun. Is that like your drag style? Just as chaotic as possible? Oh, yeah. I like to do the I like to do mixes because I feel like mixes are very kind of classic drag and I like to bring that a little bit forward because I feel like a lot of younger drag artists just kind of do a song and I just think that's boring yeah no I really like that um like really making the songs your own um that's what I loved about uh at the last tucked and loaded toddy oh my god i love toddy <laughs> their their um remix of what was the song the um, dua lipa oh it was song? levitating levitating I, got <laughs> I was in the audience literally dying i was they're throwing the cheese strings everywhere <laughs> i was like i want a cheese string oh my god or was... um slate lemay at that same show also like ate a potato on stage oh yeah i'm like how are you eating a potato on stage and not choking to death <laughs> like i would choke to death yeah Yeah, it's just, drag is just everything. It's dance, it's performance, it's comedy, you know, it's beauty. Like, what's not to love? What's not to love? Well, when you're boring, people (laughs) only like boring things. Uh, Yeah, that's true. They don't like the feathers and the sequins and the rhinestones. Yeah. Um, You mentioned you do theater. Yeah. Um, How did your theater experience kind of... um, influence your passion for drag i guess well i think i have a diploma in stagecraft and event technologies and i learned a little bit of audio mixing as part of my diploma so that actually comes really in handy when you have to make audio mixes so you already know like how audacity works i don't colin had to help me <laughs> you know what audacity is hard like it took me a while to figure out how to use audacity and i'm still not even really perfect at it like there's always something you need to work on but like that um filmography like photography um prop making like that's kind of where i get my experience from so like if you want me to make you a subtly weird looking um cardboard top hat i am your girl that's awesome what advice do you have for kids who kids or you know even adults who are interested in drag and want to maybe start trying it out like how would you start i just say do it like there's no right way to do drag like as i don't wear a wig that's like the big thing with me i don't wear a wig i have the natural hair so i just kind of use that saves me quite a lot of money um but there is no right way to do drag like you can do drag however you want if you don't want to wear eyebrows you don't have to wear eyebrows if you don't want to wear eyeshadow you don't have to wear eyeshadow anybody who is telling you how to do drag do not listen to them once you find your niche stick to that niche it'll make you way more unique and it'll make you stand out in a sea of bodysuit dancing queens yeah another unique thing i've noticed about your style of drag and it just because you just mentioned that you don't wear wigs you also use your your own name instead of having like a stage name i mean you do have a stage name but it includes your real name 
So how come you decide to make that choice and kind of s- and have your natural hair? Um, well, I thought because Colin, it's like the perfect kind of pun name. So like you, my original, my drag name has gone through a plethora of different evolutions. There was one era where it was onion powder, um, freight train. And then it was for the longest time, it was before I actually had started, it was Colin complaining. And then someone on Reddit actually gave me Colin All the Monsters after the China Ann McLean song. And I literally thought it was perfect. I was like, I love that song. That song's iconic. That name's iconic. Let's go with it. I'm iconic. It works. <laughs> it works. It's, it, it works. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. But like, usually, in my experience, lots of people, there, there's been a couple of drag race girls who have used their natural name, like, there's Derek Barry, Chad Michaels. Usually, if they're like in like celebrity impersonators, they tend to use their real names. But I think it's fun. Like, it's like it's part of me. Like, the drag artist is me, just with more makeup on. So like, it's fun that I can have that sense of myself in my name. Yeah, Plus, this is fun. <laughs> yeah, it is fun. Um... So you've only been doing drag for two years, but before that, you've always been a performer. What was your first experience performing and how did you know that that was like your thing? Um, Well, I did most of my like acting experience comes from like theater classes and camps and all that kind of stuff. So I started that, I think I was like 12, I want to say, doing my first one. And I like being on the stage and I think like the acting is fun, but I do also like the technical side and like drag, it's kind of both. Like you have to make the costumes, wigs, um, mixes, and then also you get to be on the stage. So I think it's kind of a best of both worlds, Hannah Montana situation with both of them. When you were in theater, when you were younger, uh, did you do more of the backstage technical I stuff? I did. I did. When I was in high school, I was mostly backstage. I did do one year of um, music. I played the trombone, everyone's favorite instrument, because it is a sex joke in itself. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did. Mostly it was like crew hands, props, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's cool. I was actually also a stage manager uh, for, well, technically, technically two years. Um but the second year was during COVID, so I didn't really do oh, anything. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, the first year, it was um, it was really... I, I mean, I had been in, like, the elementary school plays as, like, a really small role. Because I was a pretty pretty shy actor. Um, I didn't really like... I mean, I liked being on stage, but I didn't have the confidence to oh, really yeah. project myself. Um, but then being the stage manager, I got to be super involved with, like, you know, just everything. And then... Uh, get super close with the actors like get to see how the show really came together and also help and it was it was really cool like I really I kind of miss doing that yeah I think stage managers in theater itself I feel like are super underrated because they literally keep the show from falling apart and shout out to any stage managers out there um, but they literally keep the show together like they're the glue that held, holds like the directive and all of the uh, um, actors together so it's really fun it's like, I get that vibe that you were a stage manager. I definitely get that vibe. What, what about me gives you that vibe? I just think your general aesthetic is kind of stage manager. <laughs> well, it's like is it the lanyard? Like... I think so, yeah. <laughs> we love a good lanyard, though. We do. We do. I've been trying to wear this one more often because, 
Like it's fun. Like it's colorful. Yeah. It's the rainbow. Got all your pins got on there. Got all my pins on the it. The pronoun pins. I'm glad that pronoun pins have kind of brought like come to the limelight a little bit because it's sometimes it can be really hard to like make sure you get somebody's pronouns. Yeah. And like there's somebody like you have your pronoun pin. I have my lovely water bottle. Oh, yeah. Shout out where you got that sticker Um, from. Shadow Art Designs and Mission. She does all these stickers. Love her. Support small Local businesses. businesses. Local clear businesses. So, Colin, I would like to hear more about your experience growing up as who you are. Like, you're very open about who you are. And I I assume you were always... Flamboyant. Flamboyant is the good word to put it. Flamboyant. Well, say, like, as a kid running around the parking lot, screaming that I'm Princess Peach. Um, the fact that I am now a drag artist, I think is really fitting. Um, especially since I always wanted to be like the pretty pink princess. Um, but like growing up for mission, kids can be mean. And you just kind of have to have a, t- a thick skin because like it's mission. Like there's a lot of conservative. It's right next to Abbotsford, which is like what I consider like the Bible belt mm-hmm. of the Fraser Valley. Um, you just kind of got to get used to it. Like people are going to have your opinions of you. Do I care? No. I'm sorry that I am more exciting than you are. (laughs) Was your family supportive of you? Or was there conflict there as well? Not really. Like, family's pretty supportive of, like, the whole drag thing. My poor parents have had to drive me home from the gigs, you know. When you have an artist that's a drag artist, you just kind of get used to having glitter and rhinestones everywhere. (laughs) Kind of just have to be accepting of it. Because yeah. you see it literally everywhere. Yeah. Well, that's good that they're that they're supportive. Do you have a moment where you kind of noticed like, oh, this is how boys are, like how most boys are, but I'm not like that? Um, I think I've just kind of always known I've been super kind of flamboyant. And it's been evident since I was a kid. Like, again, my parents were not surprised that I found and enjoyed drag because I was that kid in kindergarten putting on the skirt from the dress-up box and having the teacher yell at me because I put on the skirt from the dress-up box. Really? Yeah. Mission. <laughs> Is Mission worse than Abbotsford, or do you, would you say they're on the same level? Um, well, I feel like I see more protesters in Abbotsford. Like, where was, I was at Mary Brown's last week, and there was like a whole bunch of protesters protesting something about gender inclusivity in schools. And there was this one girl, she's probably about 16, holding a Jesus loves gay sign. And I was like, you go, girl. And literally everybody in the restaurant was watching this girl, like, scream at another protester. Just watching her fight for what she wanted. And I was like, you go. It's great that there are people that are brave enough to do that. Yeah. I'm not I'm not a protest person at all. Like I think this is my form way of protest, form yeah. of protest by like um giving your voice a platform and then like other queer voices. Sorry. I think drag in itself is protest cuz like mm-hmm. again, you're fighting the what are gender norms um by putting on the heels and the dress and the hair and like that's just a protest in itself. Like drag you may see it as just, oh, these people are dancing in dresses. But, like, doing it itself is a protest. Just to gender norms in general. Which, it's 2023, why do we still have gender norms? That's a good question. Like, who needs them? They're boring. <laughs> they, yes, I love how you just call everything boring. Because it's so true. It it's, is. Like, 
it's boring it's old it's traditional and it's it's a form of oppression like gender roles are a power structure well i feel like gender roles also dis disproportionately affect women more than they do men like i feel like men have like their strict gender roles but i feel like the ones for women are just oppressing like they're just kind of sad just to see like I don't know. The gender, the concept of gender roles to me is just so, it's so stupid. Like, why can't we just let people be who they are? Like, if you want to wear a dress, wear the dress. If you want to wear pants, wear the pants. If you want to be a house husband and stay at home with the kids while your wife goes out and works, like, I don't see a problem with that. Why people would see a problem with that, I do not understand. Yeah, like, you're not hurting anyone. You're just doing, you're living your life. I just want to be uncomfortable in heels. <laughs> just let him be uncomfortable in heels. Yeah, let me be uncomfortable in heels in peace. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's that's so true. Like, just live your life how you want. What? How do you want to live your life? What is your vision for your own life? Well, you're asking the tough hitting questions today. Yeah. <laughs> you're in your We're digging era. real today. Um, yeah. Well, I think specifically with my drag, I, I want to be on TV. Like, I think every drag artist, even if they don't admit it, I think everyone kind of wants to be on Drag Race. Or, like, I don't necessarily want to do just Drag Race. I think, like, Big Brother, I've auditioned for Big Brother before. Um, I've had friends audition for Drag Race. Like, I just think bringing drag to a bigger platform would be the end goal. Because, like, I would love to be the first like Brick Weather Canadian drag queen on Brick Weather. I think that would be so fun. And to have that because it's on global, it's like that is like a Canada wide like states that's like a wide platform to showcase something that people in Texas don't tend to like for some odd reason. So you don't want to stay in the Fraser Valley long term is the goal definitely to like move out and get closer to the city? I think I would like to still be doing drag in the Fraser Valley because I feel like it's what's needed. Like, I feel like the people out here don't get to experience. Like, in Vancouver, you can go to a show Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But in the Fraser Valley, you really only have, like, the shows hosted by um, Anita. There's some in Langley. There's one in Maple Ridge. There's some in Chilliwack. But, like, those only run every so often. Like, it's not like that in the Fraser Valley. And I would like to bring drag to the Fraser Valley more. Like, I think what Anita has started with Technoloaded, I think that could be expanded and you could really have drag be a big impact in the Fraser Valley. How do you see drag expanding in the Fraser Valley? Like, more shows or... How, how do people experience drag, I well, guess? I think because Anita has her Technoloaded. She's also started Drag Bingo. Um, I know there's... Mo- it's mostly drag shows in the Valley. I think Bingo is easily accessible to everybody because everybody loves bingo and like you win prizes. So I think more bingo actually could probably drag, like bring more people to a drag show. And I think, I think karaoke, some, someone does like drag karaoke. Um, there's trivia night, like drag trivia nights. I know who does them. I think Hubco last year did one for pride did like, um, trivia with drag. And I think that was really fun. I just like that kind of stuff. Like, like bring shows, but obviously like have bingo, have karaoke, like have something for everybody, for people who don't want to sit and watch drunk people get really drunk and watch 
and scream at the drag artists. Because that's what kind of delves into a little bit. It's just everybody's screaming. Yeah. And not everyone wants to be in that environment. So I think with, like, Mingo and, like, the youth events, like, it's bringing drag to um, not necessarily, like, a sober space, but a more sobering. And especially, like, for youth events, like, a sober space. Yeah, and I think... um having more drag events at UFE is something that we're hoping to do and definitely like continue having it at queer prom if we do that again next year. So Well I think queer prom I think queer prom turned out really well. Like it was very put together, very everything. I think it worked out really well. Yeah. Yeah, it was really fun. It was definitely hard to plan. Yeah. <laughs> and there was a lot like as you know, um being uh, a performer and kind of getting a taste of the everything that went on behind the scenes. Um it was, there was a lot of things that were up in the air sometimes, yeah. uh, and a lot of things changed last minute, but we still managed to make it work, yeah. and it was really fun. Yeah, and I think it, like, I think planning a drag show in general is just kind of chaotic, especially when you're dealing with people who are very personality-based. Like, if you're not necessarily used to that, um, it can be kind of a culture shock just to see, oh, it's this person who's screaming at nine o'clock in the morning yeah (laughs) let's talk about you again um i was really intrigued by uh how you mentioned your tumblr era and there was a lot of micro labeling and that's why you choose not to label yourself as anything anymore um tell me about that era of your life well the tumblr era i was a steven universe tumblr kid and like those kids i don't know you seem to be nodding in agreement like you know what i mean the Steven Universe Tumblr kids are wild. Like, <laughs> that's an era I do not want to go back to. This the Steven Universe Tumblr 2014. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was on Tumblr uh, in 2014, 2015, 2016 as well. Not for Steven Universe, but I did watch Steven Universe at the time. Um, so I, I know. I understand. <laughs> yeah, Tumblr, I feel like Tumblr should be, like, scientifically studied because tumblr was such i think it was a pivotal point in a lot of queer people's upbringings because that was like their one space to be like truly authentically themselves and because of that i think you get a lot of unique experiences like i've met a lot of unique people on tumblr (laughs) (laughs) unique is the nice word. yeah unique is the nice word (laughs) it's the family friendly word this is a family friendly podcast i think so is that what it was for you? Like that one space where you felt you could be... I could talk about gay space rocks and peace. <laughs> Can't talk about that on Facebook. People people on Facebook are like, what the hell are you talking about? Talking about gay space rocks. Who's Garnet? Garnet's a rock. I was also on Sims Tumblr, which was a lot calmer than Steven Universe Tumblr, but still kind of wild. But like Tumblr, Tumblr should be studied in like Harvard. I agree. I think it's just one big social experiment, honestly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> People think Big Brother is a social experiment. No, it was 2012 to 2016 Tumblr. <laughs> and then everybody left as soon as they banned, like, adult content. They were like, uh, we're leaving. Goodbye. Everyone went to Twitter. Yeah, and now Twitter is just as bad. Oh, my God. Twitter's scary. I refuse to use Twitter. So your main platform is just Instagram? Yeah. It's where I follow most of my drug artists, kind of interact with people. Well, Instagram's kind of dying. I feel like Twitter's kind of taking over a little bit. But I just don't like Twitter. <laughs> like, I don't know. Twitter, it's too easy to, like, have your content go out of the niche that it's supposed to. 
and that's when it can get dangerous. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's very true. I I was on Twitter during COVID like quite a bit. Ooh. Should I, do I dare say what? Oh, I I need to know. You brought it up, so you're gonna you're gonna talk about that. Um, I was on Minecraft YouTube Twitter. Were you a dream SMP person? Don't even don't e- I don't even want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Beth is a dream SMP stan. What does SMP even stand for? Um, survival multiplayer. I just exposed <laughs> that. You just got me. No. I got you, girl. Um, so yeah, so I totally, and it, it was actually like kind of similar vibe to Tumblr back but, in the day, which Tumblr back in the day was fine, but like Tumblr now, I feel like Tumblr kind of evolved into a little bit of a, what the hell is happening? Why are you telling someone to over fan art? That was the big thing. In this. Do you, did you hear about that? There was like recently? No, it was, I think like 2016, someone drew Rose Quartz to be skinny and like she got bullied off the internet that feels like twitter that is pure twitter right there twitter is scary like do like there are some stand factions that you do not want to make mad on twitter and i've heard um tiktok too is really bad for artists have you have you ever posted your stuff on tiktok no because the tiktok kids are ruthless like i follow um a couple people like uh baby drag artists and one of them got bullied off tiktok um one of them is getting more support which is good but like i feel like if you're not i think tiktok kids are used to like the drag race standard of drag so they're if you're not wearing a human hair 180 density rhinestone bodysuit they're kind of like you're not doing drag it's it i i don't vibe with that personally that that feels very gatekeepy it is i feel like because TikTok's so used to, like, everything being so open and available. They're kind of used to seeing, like, just the dancing, doing the splits kind of drag. And, like, there's a lot of different styles of drag that I feel like TikTok isn't um, used to. So, like, they see, like, pageant drag or, like, ballroom drag, that kind of stuff. I feel like they're not exactly used to that. And they are ruthless. Like, if you don't have perfect makeup, they will tell you. And, like, I spend a lot of time face-tuning my photos for that specific reason. The ones you post on Instagram? Yeah. Do you ever get hate comments on Instagram or, like, criticisms? Um, no. I usually, get, like, I have friends who, like, will give me makeup tips. Um, but, like, most of the time, it's usually, like, people just commenting, Yes, you look great. Your legs look great. Shout out to Ray. Ray always comments on my Instagram. We love Ray. We do. Yeah, that's good, though, that um, Instagram is better for yeah. that, obviously. there You can get hate comments anywhere. Yeah. You've gotten them before, though, right? Or not really? Not not super bad. Yeah, not, re- not really. Because I'm still kind of small. Like, if I was bigger, I think definitely. Because, mm-hmm. like, you end up in that wrong side of Instagram where all the, like, libs of TikTok or whatever that Instagram or Twitter page is. Um, but like, because I'm still such a, like a smaller artist who has more of a local knowledge of people, most of the time it's pretty calm, but I think, I think you kind of have to get used to like, oh, you're going to get hate. You're a person wearing makeup whose society deems as someone who shouldn't wear makeup. You just kind of get used to it. Yeah. If, 
your dreams of like becoming a TV star become real, uh, that will obviously bring you like into the public eye and you'll have a lot more criticisms. How do you think you're going to deal with that? Um, Well, I can't, I don't, you can't really know how you're going to react until you're in that situation because like being what they call like TV famous um, you're kind of thrown into, especially with like Big Brother and something, you're thrown into the limelight like very quickly, and you don't know how the public receives you until you're out of the house. Mm-hmm. So like that, you just kind of have to ha- hold your head up high, stick to what you know, and like the people who love you will be dedicated. The people you don't, you just don't have to pay attention to them. You just have to stick with the people you know are going to be like, you're great, you're great, I love you. You just kind of got to ignore the haters. Yeah. Which which is hard. Like, not everyone can exactly ignore the haters. But, like, I think trying to always just block them, delete their comments, report them to Instagram, like, kind of get in that mindset. Yeah. That's a, yeah, it's good. It's a good mindset to have. I think sometimes it's really tempting to get defensive and, like, engage with those kind of comments. It's not worth the time to engage. Like, I've done that. Like, I've engaged with people who have negative views before. And it's just not worth the mental energy. It is just not worth it. Because you're talking to someone who won't ever understand. They, and they won't try to understand. So you just got to know that it's not worth it. It's not worth the mental turmoil to argue with someone over something so trivial. Yeah, exactly. Like... If somebody wants to have a genuine conversation with me and has genuine questions, like, that, obviously, I'm open for. But if it's just going to be an argument... It's not worth that. It's, it's not, not worth, worth it. the turmoil you're going to put yourself through mentally trying to appease someone who won't understand. Mm-hmm. Do you find people ever approach you with, like, questions from a genuine um, yeah. spot? Like, um... Usually, like, if I'm in drag at a show and some it's, like, someone's first time at a show, they'll, like, ask me. It's like, oh, like, what's the process? I've never had, like, any super uncomfortable questions. Like, I've never been asked how I talk, which is really great because I don't like talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not really here to talk about my genitals while I'm wearing uncomfortable shoes or, like, an uncomfortable dress. Like, you can Google it. There are tutorials on YouTube. You can watch the tutorials. If you really need to know. If you're really interested, there's... Trinity the Tuck has a video. You can just watch hers. Yeah, well, that's good that people are generally respectful about it. Well, I think, like, if you're in, like, a situation where people are going to see it and they have questions for you, it's genuinely more accepting and easier to get into with some... Like, talk about it with someone. Because they're, like, they're here to see you and they have genuine questions like if you're outside of that outside of that environment that's when you get like the people who are like why are you doing this why are you trying to groom our children and i'm like i'm not trying to groom your children i you're good i want to get out of these shoes is what or like i want to get out of this outfit that's stabbing me in the back right now i do not want to groom your child thank you very much yeah do you have any like hot topics or opinions you want to share to people who are booking drag shows we need to have more diversity in drag shows there Mm -hmm. are so many shows that i just see that are just female presenting drag artists 
Like, there are so many non-binary performers. There's so many drag kings. There's so many drag things. There's so many per- people of color performers that I feel like you see a lineup and you're like, hmm, there are three white passing people and, like, an indigenous person, which I am down... We need, also need to book more indigenous performers, especially, like, since we work and play on their land. Like, we need to make sure that they are booked and we need to book more people of color. Like, if you have an all-white female presenting drag cast, I am like, hmm, I do, I do not want to go to your show. Like, if you have only female presenting drag artists, I'm like, hmm. Uh, this is going to be a very boring show. Because, like, I feel like if you have people of different backgrounds, you get more unique perspectives of drag. Like, there's so many different aspects of drag that you're only going to book, like, the dancing split queens. That's boring to me. I don't want to watch eight splits in a row. I want to watch someone doing the splits, someone doing a ballad, someone doing comedy. That's why, like, Technoloaded, like, Anita always tries to make sure the show is diverse and, like, with different styles, which I think is good, and I think we need to see more of that. Like, um, UFE just had uh, Jaylene Time. Yes. Very, like, a trans woman, indigenous trans woman, um, legend. Like, she's a legend in the Vancouver scene. I am surprised they booked her. Like, I am still surprised that they booked her. It was really exciting. I went, I did go to the event, yeah. You I wanted see, to I'm go. on the front page of Sus Are Instagram. You? I got a picture with her. <gasps> oh my god, I'm very jealous. She's like a legend. We love her. <laughs> she was awesome. It was really fun too. And like, she's like a professional. Like she she knows what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to see her book more. Bring her back. I want to go see her. Well, I think that brings us to the end of the episode. It was fun. Thank you for coming on this podcast, Colin. It was Colin. so much fun. Thank you for inviting me. You are a legend. What is it? A, a legend, an icon, the star. The Colin legend, Monster. the icon, the star. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shout out your, your socials Oh, yeah. If you want to follow me on Instagram, my Instagram is just called the Monsters. C-O-L-I-N-A-L-D-A Monsters. I don't know how to spell monsters. <laughs> um, you can follow me there. I try to post as often as I can, but like sometimes I'm just lazy and do not want to put makeup on. Cool. Make sure you follow him. And yeah, thanks for watching. Yes, thank you for watching. Hi, I'm Megan Trainer, singer of All About That Bass. And I just have to say that Colin Alda Monsters is literally mother. Like she's so skinny and so iconic, I just had to write this song about her. So Colin, this is for you, baby.